Hello and welcome to Inspire Me Today Radio. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. You know, at one time or another, most of, most of us have looked at our life, look at the world around us, at our job, our relationships, or our general state in life. And from that, we've judged ourselves in one way or another. If our exterior world doesn't show up as we planned, we believe many times that we're a failure. So many times we will allow external situations to determine what we think of ourselves. Maybe, just maybe, it's time to take a really good look at our beliefs about ourselves. Today's guest believes that as adults, we should be able to distinguish between fact and fiction, what is real about ourselves and what is not. He also suggests that just maybe it's time to turn things around, to believe in yourself, to take control of your life, to start living your life from the inside out. He's an internationally renowned velocity selling specialist. His mission is to inspire, engage, and empower. And for the last 15 years, using Singapore and Dubai as his ongoing hubs for Asia and the Middle East, he's worked with Fortune 500 companies and businesses in more than a thousand cities in over 45 countries. Wow. He's ranked number four in the world's top 30 sales gurus and has been recognized as a consummate speaker of the year. He's also the author of two best-selling books that we're going to talk about a little later, and you might recognize him. We featured this luminary before here on Inspire Me Today, and because he's one of my favorites, I've invited him back to share his inspiration with us once again. His name is Bob Urichuk, and I'm so honored that he's joining us today. Bob, thank you for being here at Inspire Me Today, and welcome. And I thank you, Gail. It's uh, always a pleasure to have a conversation with you, and I really appreciate you and your audience sharing this time with us. Absolutely. We're honored to have you here. So, Bob, for those few out there who don't yet know who you are, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get to be doing what you're doing in the world? Well, that's a good question. Uh, If I go back, I would think uh, it was probably around the age of 18 when I got exposed to the power of goal setting or the powers of the mind. And um, I guess I was about 22 when I called into work sick one day and I asked myself, I sat down at the dining room table by myself with a pen and a pad of paper. And I conducted an exercise that I talk about in one of my books. It's uh, referred to as discipline number five. But what I did was I asked myself, Bob, what do you want out of life? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? Let's pretend the pen in your hand is a magic wand and nothing is impossible. Love it. And write, write, write. And if you don't write it down, it'll never happen. And that's what I've learned since is by writing down your dreams and desires and then turning them into goals, it makes a reality. So at age 22, part of that exercise, I asked myself, there was one thing I could do guaranteed that I wouldn't fail at. What would it be? And out came motivational speaker or sales motivational speaker or motivational sales speaker. And I thought that was interesting, but I really didn't take action on it until I was about 30 years old. And um, and then when I left the corporate world at age 45, on my own accord, I left to become an international professional speaker. When you had that little voice in the back of your head, Bob, saying, ah, go be an international professional speaker, did you have any part of you that said, I can't do that? I don't know oh, anything big, about that. Oh, big time. I mean, my whole life, uh, I don't know how many times I was criticized. I can't. I couldn't speak proper English. Uh you know, I can't write um, all these things. I remember even graduating from high school and my principal uh, saying to me on the side that you're not going to amount to anything. You can't read or write. And I'm going, whoa, <laughs> what a comment. Uh, boy, you want to go, into- yeah, you want to go back to those people and say, really? Well, funny thing is I ran into him about, uh, 
I guess 10 years ago, a friend of mine from high school was getting married, and I went to his wedding, and then I meet the principal there, and uh, we chatted, and he couldn't believe I was a best-selling author and speaking all over the world, and he was truly amazed. And when I approached him on that, I said, you know how you could affect the lives of many with a, being in the position you're in? And he says, well, Bob, I thought I'd try and motivate you that way, and it looked like it worked. Oh. So it was a quick comeback on his part, but I don't really believe that. Yeah, I would think that uh, you're probably dead on on that one. Well, you know, Bob, some of us, we, we have those moments in life that literally define us. And it sounds like that day at the dining room table was one for you. Oh, that was. Big yeah. Time. Do you have... Anything else? I mean, there's so many people that write in to inspire me today, and they tell us, I really want to follow this dream. I really have this passion, but I'm terrified. So what I'm wondering is, do you have a moment in your life that you literally stepped off the ledge, took a risk with only the belief that you'd succeed? And Gail, it's, yeah, I'm I would sh- say do- monthly, if not quarterly, I'm, I'm Perfect. on the ledge, and Perfect. I'm taking those risks. And how... That's- how do you still, what motivates you? How do you keep moving forward in spite of feeling the fear that you feel? Well, let's understand one thing about fear. Fear stops us cold in our tracks. People think about doing things. The more they think about it, the more fear sets in. With fear comes indecision. With indecision comes procrastination, followed by paralysis, and we don't do a thing. So what's the opposite of thinking? Just doing. Do exactly. And what's the worst thing that can happen if you just do it? You fail. And if you fail, F-A-I-L is first attempt in learning. You (laughs) learn from the experience, you step up again, and you do it again until you master it. Trust me, the first time I got on stage to speak, I got booed and everything else, hissed at, and it took courage to go back up again and again. But over the years and over time, I mastered it, and I became who I wanted to be, not what other people wanted of me. I love the first attempt in learning. So yeah. you fell flat on your face, but you got back up. So I guess my question is, is that something that you think is innate in everyone? Or is that something that you have to learn to overcome that fear to be able to get back up? Well, fear to me is F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. It's only real in your head and nowhere else. And the only way to overcome a fear is to take action, to face it. Once you face it, you can overcome that fear. And, and that's the key step is to take that step forward. If you believe in yourself, if you believe in your dream, don't let anything stop you and certainly not fear. Hmm. I can imagine there are a lot of people sc- scratching their heads and saying, well, that's easy for him. He's this, oh. you know, world selling or best-selling author around the world, an international speaker, but my life and everyone will look at you, Bob, and set you apart because you are so successful. So I'm wondering, but, talk to us about the adversity that you've had to overcome. Has it always been easy for you? Uh, never has been easy for me. First of all, I was raised in a small family business. I didn't have a childhood. I was working since the age of five, six years old. By the time I'm 11 years old, I'm running part of the business. By the time I'm 18, I leave home. I graduate with honors in business administration without studying. Everything I learned in business from my parents was what they were trying to teach me in college. I was already there. Age 30, I lost everything I had. And I had to go back into the corporate world, take on a job to be able to you know, make ends meet. I ended up in debt so deep was unbelievable. 22% interest rates, mortgage at 19.5%. Life was, my wife's pregnant with our second child. I had to take uh, one of Canada's largest land developers to court. Um, You know, and anyways, my life went completely upside down. But I could clearly remember at age 30 when I went in the corporate world and asked this question of people all over the world is, why do you go to work? What answer do you think I get, Gail? 
because I need the money. You got it. One of the things I teach in the Velocity Selling book is basically never accept somebody's first answer. Their first answer is not the truth. Your job is to apply the rule of three plus. The rule of three plus is you listen to the answer, you question the answer. You listen to the answer, you question the answer. So when you say you go to work to make money, make money to do what? And the more I question it, the what I'm going to find out is you have a certain lifestyle dream. And as I get down there deep, you go to work because you have a dream, a lifestyle dream that you want to live. Work is nothing but a stepping stone to helping us get where we want to go. The problem in today's society is most people don't know where they want to go. Well, yeah, but don't you think also people get stuck? And, oh, they get and stuck. I mean, yeah, you, you get in a job, you get the bills paid, and you know you can't leave because you can't ever replace what it is you already have. Well, exactly. And it starts when we graduate from university where, where people are uh, full of uh, student loans. And the first thing they want to do is get a job. And then they take the first job that comes along because they need the money. And then they give up their dream of their education. They might have been studying to be, you know, uh, I don't know, a psychologist. And the next thing you know, they're, they're, they're taking a job in sales just to make ends meet. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny, Bob. I don't, I mean, I can probably count on one hand the amount of people that I've met in my paths where you ask, why do you go to work? And they would say, because I love it. It is my passion. It is it is what I wake up in the morning for. And yeah. obviously, the luminaries that I've interviewed through Inspire Me Today are the are the majority of the ones that love what they're doing, and therefore it's not work. They don't even describe it as work. It's play. But that's exactly the way I describe it. When someone says, "Why do you go to work?" I said, "Well, first of all, I don't work. I play because yeah, exactly. what I do is not work. It's play. I love doing what I'm doing." And I just wish that everyone could have that oh. same ability to have whatever courage they need to step forward into whatever their dream would be and follow it, even if it's crazy. You know, it's funny. One of my favorite luminaries that I've interviewed here at Inspire Me Today is a woman named Dr. Susan Bialy, a fellow Canadian for you. And Susan went the entire way through university, through med school, residency, opened her office, had hundreds of thousands in medical or in uh, student loan bills from becoming a physician and realized like month one, I hate what I'm doing. Yeah. She threw it all away, moved to Mexico, where she's now a flamenco dancer. <laughs> she's enjoying life. She's loving life. And it's like not many people have the courage to do something quite that big. I mean, one of the things that you said, though, Bob, that I want to go back to, we we're talking about the fact that people get stuck because they're afraid. And one of the things that you've said, and I'm going to read this, and then I'd like you to elaborate on it a little more. Your beliefs will determine your attitude. Your yeah. attitude determines how you feel, and how you feel determines the actions you take, which in the end provides you with results. Are you getting the results you're looking for? If not, take control of your life and start living your life from the inside out instead of the outside in. How, do you, how does one do that? Well, first of all, let's face it, we're all so busy these days that we're focus too much on the outside world. When I was 22 and I sat at home and I gave myself 24 hours, that was inward reflection. I came up with the list of dreams that I wanted to accomplish in my life. In other words, I spent time with me. And who is the most important person in the world? Me. Shouldn't we, yes, and shouldn't we take care of that person? But at the same time, who's your greatest enemy? Me. Exactly. So what we need to do is kick out the enemy, realize we are the most important person in the world, and we can do anything we set our mind to. 
And it's that belief that we have to instill within ourselves. And the only way you can do that is by focusing on the inside versus the outside. So in other words, you ignore the external signs or the people who say, what are you thinking? Are you crazy? You can't do that. You like your principal. You don't have the education. You're not going to be a writer. You, you're going to fail. You got it. And, and had I accepted that in my conscious state, had I accepted that, my subconscious mind would have worked with the laws of nature and made that a reality. And you'd, Except you'd, what be I flipping, did. you'd be flipping burgers somewhere. You got it. What I did, and, and I've done this forever, as far back as I can remember, whenever somebody says something to me that I don't want to hear, I see a big red X go up between me and them. I could pretend, you know, make it look like I'm listening, but between me and you, you're telling me I can't do it? Well, there's a big red X going up. As a matter of fact, one of the things that motivate me the most is when people say, I can't do it. Interesting. You and I are a lot alike. I mean, a lot alike, because that's one of my greatest motivators. If someone says, oh, well, this isn't really possible. Uh, yeah. And my mind immediately goes to, I'm sure it is. How could we make that possible? It's, it's exactly where I go to for a very first thing. And it's, it's gotten me into trouble as a kid. Because my, you know, my parents would say, no, you, you shouldn't do or you can't do or whatever. And it's like, well, why not? Yeah. And now, it, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, one of the things, uh, Gail, that might help a lot of your, your um, listeners is um, I wrote a book called The Discipline for Life. You are the author of your future. And this book is not a typical uh, motivation or leadership book. It's an interactive book. I share with you some stories, but then I ask you questions to which you have to write down your answers. You see, there's two things here by happening. First of all, by writing down your answers, you're going deep inside yourself to come up with the answer. When you write down the answer, you own the answer and your level of commitment goes up. So the whole book is all about finding out yourself, getting to know yourself from the inside out, knowing what you want out of life, putting a plan of action together to make it a reality, and it provides you with all the supporting tools to make that dream a reality. Outstanding. Well, Bob, you touched on something a little earlier when you said a lot of people don't even know what it is they want. How yeah. do you, what do you say to somebody who says, I have no idea what would make me happy. I, have, I don't have dreams. I don't have goals. How, do, how does someone like that even start to get in touch? I mean, give us a tangible step or two on something that they could do that would help them determine which direction to walk. I think a, a big part of it is um, put a pen in your hand and pretend it's a magic wand as if absolutely nothing is impossible. Write it down. Write down as many things as you'd like. And you, you can write your likes and dislikes. You can do them both. You know, you don't ever want to do this, but you'd love to do this. And and just creating that list, that, that magic wand will make the difference. That and a piece of paper and writing it down. It's funny. I'm sitting here listening to you with a pen in my hand, of course, and a piece of paper. And I found myself smiling, going, poof, poof, you know, as you were talking, because who doesn't want to be Harry Potter? You know, I mean, that's awesome. That's right. You know, one of the other things, Gail, is a lot of times I ask people, what, what's your definition of success? And in the audience is they'll say, uh, what do you want out of life? And they say, to be happy. And I could never accept that answer. I would say, okay, so tell me what's going to make you happy. And they look at me kind of like stunned. They I don't like, know what's going to make them happy. Exactly. And, I, like and I, I elaborate. You have to take the time to ask yourself what makes you happy because you're only going to be happy if you know what makes you happy. It's kind of funny, Bob. It reminds me of that parable of the businessman who is working and working and working and working, you know, 80-hour weeks 
so that he can go fishing. And he goes on vacation, and he's with this little villager who's in his fishing boat. And the guy says, wow, you, you, know, you come here for a week, a year, and you fish, and this is what I do all day long. Yeah. You know, and it's just kind of, hmm. It's one of those things that makes you pause and makes you think that, obviously, I think everybody deep inside does know what makes them happy. And therefore, if you follow that, That's it makes us happy for a reason. It's a really good guide. Yeah. Well, it goes back to uh, motivation in a way, too. There's two types of motivation. There's uh, external motivation, which is temporary, or what I say, never lasting. And there's internal motivation, which is everlasting. Internal motivation is having a dream, and it's and the steps you're taking on a daily basis to make that dream a reality. That's what goal setting is all about. That's where the, the motivation comes from, is having a dream, turning it into smart goals, and moving forward with it, taking action on it. Absolutely. And you know, that's what gets me fired up. That's what gets me really excited and happy and, and bouncy. And by bouncy, I mean, I do these interviews sitting on my bouncy ball. And I can always tell when the energy's flowing because I'm literally bouncing up and down like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and when you get in that zone, I believe anything is possible. Exactly. Well, tell us, I mean, you, you talked about your first book. Tell us about your new book that you have out, Velocity Selling, How to Attract, Engage, and Empower Buyers to Buy. Well, one of the things um, that got me ranked high up in the sales guru status is the Velocity Selling System that I created. The, it's a, it's a buyer-focused Velocity Selling System. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite that, of everything you've learned about sales. Um, instead of you know, sales is a lot of uh, telling. Instead of telling, you're asking. Instead of talking, you're listening. Instead of presenting, you're prescribing. And and I think we came up with a list of about 50, 50 different things that says stop doing this and start doing that. So what I am into here is the opposite of selling. Nobody likes to be sold. Everybody likes to buy. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. So how do we attract, engage, and empower buyers to buy? So the system basically has four categories. It's as simple as A, B, C, D. A stands for attitude, the foundation of all successful people. Uh, B stands for behavior. And this is the bottom line. It's our daily behaviors of what we have to do on a daily basis to help us get where we want to go. C is the competencies. And what I do here is share a step-by-step process on how to build rapport with the buyer, how to engage them into the conversation, how to set parameters, how to qualify them, summarize, and then how to prescribe solutions should they be qualified for a solution. And then the D is discipline, doing what you have to do even when you don't want to do it. Exactly. Well, this is business, obviously, that you're talking about. And for those that aren't in sales, I think this would still be applicable to them in a lot of ways of daily life. Specifically, you mentioned daily behaviors as one of your your topics that you just touched upon. So what do you do, Bob? Talk to me about your daily behaviors. What practices or steps do you do each and every day as part of your regular routine that keep you on track that if you share might help others? Yeah, okay. Um, well, there's a couple of things. Um, first of all, everybody needs sales to survive. You know, whether you're a parent and and you want to engage your child into cleaning their room, you could, <laughs> you could tell them and sell, you could sell them by telling them and you're not going to get it. Or you could engage them into discovering the answer that you want so that they own it and they're committed to it. And that's what we're talking about here. So when it gets down to behaviors, what we look at is 
daily behaviors. We have effective habits and we have ineffective habits. So a big part of it is to list down all your ineffective habits. Now, you cannot quit a habit. You can only replace a habit. So the first thing we need to do is replace our ineffective habits with effective habits. So one of the things that I get into, and I call this a daily discipline, because when you know your behaviors, you turn you could turn these behaviors into disciplines. It's things you do even when you don't want to do them. For example, Gail, what's the most productive time of your day? I have two times, okay. Mor- morning and very late in the evening. Okay, that's good. I'm uh, more of a morning person than I am uh, an evening person. And I used to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and have a cup of coffee. And then when I realized I was a morning person, I decided to dedicate the first hour of the day to myself. And so what I did is um, I called it Bob time. I'd get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and from 6 to 7, um, I would do things to help Bob get where Bob wants to go. Now, one of the key things about uh, any behavior that gets recognized or rewarded gets repeated. So what do you think my reward was at 7 o'clock? Let me guess. Coffee? My first cup of coffee. <laughs> now, so you got to do the, do the work first, and then you get to celebrate it. Exactly. And a cup of coffee is a simple thing. We all have it. It's all there. Why not turn these things that we take for granted into rewards? So what I do is I have my first cup of coffee. And because now I've now earned it, well, I enjoy it that much more. In addition to that, as I drink that cup of coffee, I give thanks for the fact that I could have a cup of coffee when there's millions of people in this world that can't get a clean glass of water. Great. And so, and so my day continues. Seven, eight o'clock, uh, I'll, ex- I'll do uh, some sort of physical fitness. Eight o'clock, my reward is breakfast. Again, I give thanks for the fact that I can have breakfast when there's kids in our own neighborhood going to school hungry every morning. And then, you know, I shower, I get ready. Now, at 9 o'clock, I'll go and do a presentation, let's say, and how do you think I'm going to perform, or how do you think I feel at this point? Oh, you're already flying. Exactly. But the key thing is this, is how could I give you something of value if I don't have it inside to give away? You can't. How, How can I motivate others if I don't motivate myself? How can I share disciplines if I myself don't have disciplines in my life? And I think that that applies to each and every person listening, even if they're not speakers. They still have to fill up their own cups in the morning because how can we give whatever it is we do for a living, whatever it is we you know, choose to spend our time doing, how can we give it to others if we first don't take care of ourselves? Exactly. I mean, it sure, it sure beats stumbling out of bed when the alarm rings at five till nine and running <laughs> out the door and forgetting this and forgetting that and getting there so scattered that yeah. you don't even remember what it is you're there for. Yeah, that's exactly it. Now, one of the things, Gail, it's also important in this in this book is we start with attitude as the foundation of success. And in attitude, we look at in three different uh, categories. One is attitude towards yourself, the most important person in the world. Attitude towards your organization or, you know, the team, your products and services. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, attitude towards your buyers. When we take a look at attitude towards yourself, we talk about the Bafar system that we discussed earlier, how your beliefs determine how you feel, how you feel determines your actions, your actions determine your results. Yes. So, uh, we talk about that, but we also get into something called identity and role. Um, and we ask the question to people, who am I? And of course, here we talk about who am I? Most people will answer, well, I am a sales rep with such a company, or I'm a sales manager, or I'm a this. And what we find is people are really attached to the roles they play in their life. And in the process, they forgot who they are. Then I ask the question, who am I without roles? 
and I get people to rate themselves as they do their performance in roles. And it's amazing what you see comes out of this and how important it is to put your focus on your identity and not on your role. Give me a more tangible example, okay. Bob. Go Let's a little see. deeper. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me take you through the exercise. And, and just, you know, Gail, you don't need to answer the question. I'm, I, I just, I'll walk everybody through it. Here's, you know, who am I is the question. And on the question, under role, how would you rate your performance in the role that you play? Zero, you show up to work and do nothing. Ten, you're a top performer. Pick a number between zero and ten, but do not give me your answer because I don't want you to embarrass yourself. Okay. Good. Let's pretend you identified yourself as a three, which is pretty low. You identified yourself as a three for one of two reasons. One could be you hate your job. And if you hate your job, obviously your performance is going to be low. The second reason could be that you just started your job. You're only one or two weeks into it, and you don't know it well enough yet. So you rated it as a three. If you perform like a three, how does it make you feel about yourself on a scale of zero to ten? Horrible. Exactly. No more than a three. Now, let's pretend you've been with the company for 20 years. You rated yourself as a nine. You feel good. You're a high performer. Everyone recognizes you as a nine. That's great. How does it make you feel as an individual, as, a, as on your identity? Proud. Good. Exactly. As a nine. Today, you come into work. I'm your boss, and I go up to you, and I say, Gail, I want to thank you for your 20 years of service, but we no longer need you. Your role goes from nine to? Zero. Zero. How does it make you feel? Uh, what did I do wrong? I'm a failure. You know, all you those kind of things. So what happens here is when people lose their jobs, they lose their role. With the loss of their role, they lose their identity. With the loss of their identity, they lose their family, they turn to drugs, alcohol, and even go as far as committing suicide. Now, maybe you don't know of anyone like this, but you've seen these people, five years to retirement, three years to go, one year to retirement. They retire. What happens to them within five years of retirement? They die. Uh, that's the answer I get all over the world. Yeah. I never say it. But that's yeah. the answer I get all over the world. They do. They're unhappy. They're unfulfilled. They have you no purpose. And, and therefore... all you got to do is watch. There was a movie that came out, I believe, uh, Company Man, that takes you through that, the stages where the, all these executives lost their jobs and, and one even went as far as committing suicide. So now let's turn the page here. Let's change the question to, who am I without roles? I want you to be stripped of all your roles. You're not a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a friend, a manager, a, an interviewer. Be stripped of all roles. Just you, yourself, and a mirror. Look at that person. Rate what you see. Zero, I'm a nobody without roles. Ten, I'm somebody to be dealt with. So let's pretend you rated yourself as a three. You rated yourself as a three because you got low self-confidence, low self-esteem. You're living your life from the outside in. You became a lawyer because daddy's a lawyer and daddy wanted you to become just like him. But you hate being a lawyer. You get the idea? I do. You're the kind of person that is totally reactive. Your boss tells you when to go to work, when to come leave work, when to turn in reports. You just let life unfold as it unfolds without taking any initiative whatsoever. If you feel like a three, how are you going to perform in any role of your choosing? No greater than a three. You got it. But let's say you take the time to get to know yourself from the inside out. You know your strengths, your weaknesses. You know your you know what motivates you, what demotivates you. You know what you want out of life. You put a plan together. You don't wait for things to happen. You're proactive and you make things happen. You got good self-confidence, good self-esteem. You believe in you. You rate yourself as a nine. How do you think you'll perform in any role of your choosing? 
Woohoo! You're going to succeed. It's going to rock. You got it. Now, you go to work, and I come up to you, and I say, Gail, thanks for your 20 years of service. We no longer need you. Your role goes from nine to zero. What does it do to your identity in this case? Awesome. Now I have the opportunity to do this and that and this and that because I know who I am. You got it. And what we say here is that number that you have is a total of your self-esteem, self-confidence, self-respect. You add that all up, it totals your self-worth. Your self-worth translates into your net worth. Yeah, it's, I think your self-worth is even more important than your net worth. Yes, but it, it, it translates directly into it. If you if you got a good self-worth, you're going to have a high net worth. Now, one of the things I ask audiences all over the world, I said, by show of hands, how many millionaires in the room? And of course, very few hands go up. And then I'll say, well, give me a minute and I'll prove you how you're all wrong and you're all millionaires. And then I tell them a story about 10 years ago when I broke my femur in five places and I was told I'd never be able to walk again. But what they did is they loaded up my leg with bone putty and they put uh, 15 screws in my leg uh, to hold it together. People used to say I was screwed up, but now it's official. <laughs> That's great. You're then actually I'd screwed walk- together. Yeah, exactly. So I'd walk around the audience and walk up to someone and I would say, you look like you got a strong right leg. Would you sell it to me for a million bucks? What answer do you think I'll get? Of course not. Okay, what about your eye, your arm? Nope. And people don't realize it. And then I say, well, what value to put on yourself? You are the most important person in the world. You came into this world as a 10. You're worth mega millions. And since the day you were born, all you did was criticize it, beat it up, and you took that 10 and lowered yourself to where you are today. Now, what you need to do is separate role and identity. When you fail at something or when you get rejected, is it role or is it identity? Well, most of the times I would think it's role. Exactly. But what we do is we take role failure, role rejection, we bring it over to the identity side, we beat ourselves up, we criticize ourselves, and we lower our self-esteem, our self-confidence, sure. etc. We say, I am a failure. Not, you got it. So not what we need I to do, failed at this, you got which it. is very different. So what we need to do is separate role and identity strongly. Let your role fluctuate. Focus on your identity and get your identity back up to a 10. Because when you're performing like a 10, you're going to get the results that you're looking for. That makes a great deal of sense. I mean, a great deal of sense, Bob. And it, well, it, Go ahead. No, no, please, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, well, that's the whole thing with attitude is we need to get people's heads believing in themselves first. Because if, if I don't believe in me, will you believe in me? Absolutely not. Nor How will, I, nor will I want to buy from you or work with you or do a project with you. Because I don't want to be sucked down into the dark abyss where you live. So we take this from building up the the individual, believing in themselves. Then we look at organization. On a scale of zero to ten, zero, this is the worst organization I ever worked for. Ten, it's the best. Pick a number. Uh, Products and services, zero, this is the the worst product and services I ever had to sell. Ten are the best. Uh, The team I work with, zero, it's the biggest bunch of idiots I ever worked with. Ten are the best. Now, average your three numbers and take my advice. If you have an average of six or less, take my advice and leave. Exactly. Because you do not believe. And if you don't believe in your team and your products and your companies, you're going to be discounting them. You're going to be uh, stressful. That stress is going to lead to illness. That illness is going to lead to unhappy life, and nobody wants that for you. If you're a seven, eight, or nine... Talk to other people. Find out what's the problem. Get yourself up back up to a 10. Exactly. 
Well, this is great stuff. Great stuff. I love the, the fact that you really went into detail on separating role and identity because so many of us identify with what we do as opposed yes. to who we are. So I'm really grateful to you, Bob, for taking the time and talking about your book and for sharing the insights that you've shared. You probably know my next question because I've asked you this already, and it's my standard closing question. If you were to summarize your greatest wisdom about life, what have you learned that you'd want to pass on to others right here, right now? Well, that's a good question. Uh, and I, I'm going to go back to based on our earlier conversation, and I, I think the the greatest lesson is face your fears. Don't 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 let anybody say you can't do it. Don't let any fear stop you. Believe in yourself and take steps, even if it's little steps. Take steps forward in the direction that you want to go. Take control of your life. Make things happen for you. Are you still there, Gil? Hello? So sorry. Oh. I hit the mute button. I was sitting here going, woohoo, woohoo. Absolutely. My apologies. No, when you're saying take baby steps, believe in yourself, face your fears. It's like, seriously, what yeah. do you have to lose? Because if you do that and you fail, okay, you have a mediocre life. What happens if you don't do it? You are, you have a mediocre life. I'd rather take the risk of oh, doing yeah. something that is outrageous, that would make me so you know, so much closer to where I want to be, Yeah. even knowing that I could fail. Big deal. You step get back of, up and you do it again. Yeah. Step out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. It, um, great, great, great advice. So speaking of stepping out of comfort zone and taking more risk, Bob, if you had one more thing that you personally could accomplish in your lifetime, what would it be? Well, it's funny. Um, I accomplished everything I wanted by age 50. Uh, I'm now 62, and at age 60, I already retired, and I was retired for a good year or so. And then I realized that uh, I can't sell my name, Bob Yurichuk, I can't sell the business, but I have such a great selling system, how can I make that more affordable and accessible to the world? So what I did is I created a online virtual training program and made it very affordable. There's 350 modules, it basically runs a whole year program, and I've made it extremely inexpensive. And then to support it, I put out the book uh, under the same thing, Velocity Selling, How to Attract, Engage, and Powers to Buy, and Buyers to Buy. And now what I'm doing is I'm starting to certify trainers so they can have a license and they can start training and developing this program within their own countries and regions. Okay. I'm going to take you, I'm going to ask you to go deeper. Okay. You're already doing this. Yes. I want something wild off the charts that oh. has that has been in your mind in your consciousness in your heart that you have i mean maybe it's perfor okay. performing on broadway i, I mean think, whatever i Once, think i think what it is gail you're asking me is the why yeah i want to know why am i doing all this no it's not even more so that i i guess what i want to know is what's your most outrageous dream that hasn't happened yet well i had five that i summarized at age 22 and there's one that i felt i haven't accomplished yet and that was to make a difference in the world and there's two parts to that. One is I want to make this sales profession one of the most respected professions in the world. Right now, it's the least respected. I believe it's the it should be the most respected because without sales, there's no transactions. Without transactions, there's no revenue. Without revenue, organizations would not exist and no one would have a job. 
the world revolves around sales. We just need to change the way we sell. So I'm on that one. The other one is to make a difference in the lives of children who do not have an education. I'm a big believer and supporter of children's education. I've adopted a village in Sri Lanka to help 700 orphans from the tsunami get an education, medical help. And now I'm on a bit more of a mission to create more schools. And I do a lot of this through Free the Children. Uh, this year, they plan on opening 1,000 schools uh, around the world. And awesome. that's a big accomplishment. So it's, it's that kind of thing that, I, that gets me excited. Excellent. Well, I love who you are. Not, not just what you do, Bob, but who you are. The identity behind the role. So thank you for sharing both of them with us today. We greatly appreciate you taking the time. I know I'm going to be doing an upcoming interview with your son. And uh, in this case, I'm certain the apple has not fallen far from the tree. <laughs> so we'll look forward to adding another Eurocheck to the stellar lineup here at Inspire Me Today. If there's anything else you'd like to add in closing, um, feel free. Well, if anybody would like to um, get a copy of a free chapter of the book, they're welcome to go to VelocitySellingBook.com. And they can also Perfect. go to yeah VelocitySellingBook.com. That's one to get the free chapter. And if they want to see more about the, uh, the virtual training program, it's just VelocitySelling.com. And we'll make this really easy for you. All of our community already knows. Just come on back to Inspire Me Today. Go to the search box. Put in Bob you're a Chuck. You can put in Bob U, and that's enough. It will bring it up, and then you'll have the links there for all of the things that Bob is talking about here on today's program. So thank you again, Bob, for being with us. I greatly appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for spending part of your day with us. Come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember, it's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you'll realize you've had wings all along. We love you. We're here for you. We'll see you tomorrow. And thank you again for stopping by.